Um, We're reading from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that comes on the ground. Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the, name gave, uh, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with, the, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I'm Howard Brown. I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church, and we're going to continue on our sermon series in a uh, called a series of questions, as uh, Pastor Giorgio said. And today we're going to talk about how do we care after last week's sermon? Um, why do we care? Now we're just going to uh, touch the surface here. Um, the whole Bible, from beginning to end, shows gives us stories and illustrations and and directions and how to care. But I think there's a few basic ways we can begin to look at what our life's journey as far as caring in this world and for this world is marked with. Um, I can see that we're, we, we're called to care for this world as we're called to work, as we're called to create, as we're called to relate. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Uh, and we're called to get cared for. But like everything else, it's so easy, you know, when you're you know, putting a sermon together and you're the pastor to kind of put these bullet points together. But it's easier said and bullet pointed, of course, than done. You know, there's always a, a drama in the story, a story behind the points and places God calls us to be. But let's at least try to begin here. How do we care? Let's look at Genesis 1, 27 through 28 um, that was read earlier. And it says here that um, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It said, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves over the ground. And then if we go to chapter 2... Um, it says, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. How do we care? 
we work as we care for stuff. What we see here is God kind of creates Adam and he drops Adam, the man, and Eve in the middle of Jurassic Park. You know, he's in the middle of these this wild jungle. He's behind the fences. He's behind the glass enclosures at the zoo. Well, there's no fences and there is this immediate calling from God to make all of this stuff, the trees and the birds and, and all the animals, not only on the ground, but the ones in the, in, in the, in the ponds and the oceans to try to make all of this stuff make sense. Make sense to you to help it make sense to itself. He put Adam in the middle of a wild place and said, make this thing, subdue it, make it calm. God was calling Adam to be the world's first wildlife ranger, a, a veterinarian, a, a farmer, a miner, a, a landscape designer all at one time. And I know this to be true. All you have to do is come to my house. It's not much different than the garden of Jurassic Park. You know, there's the yard that gets out of control. And then there's the dogs and the cats and the, and the, the letters that come in the mail that pile up and, and the, and the bills and all the space. And, and sometimes it's too big of a space and sometimes it's too small of a space. And, and Kelly and I have to just go in there and work to care for the stuff that can't care for itself. When I go out in the mornings, there's my cat, meow. Meet me in the morning right on the porch. And if that goes to being too long, I start to kind of look around the neighborhood, see if I can see him. One day I'm looking and my cat's name is Silas. And there he is, a, a block down, walking across the street, just cruising. Okay, he's all right. Then my dog is the worst. You know how your dog gives you this look like, feed me. What's wrong with you, man? Come on, dog. No, no, he's the dog. Um, but come on, man. Feed me. Uh, rub me or pet me. Do something. Uh, uh, rub my stomach. You know, uh, uh, open the door. It's rainy or cold out here. And, and you, you, it's just the world is saying, work. Pull us together. Help us. I don't know if you've seen this Ace Hardware commercial. I don't know if it's Ace Hardware. Maybe it's a garden home depot. But you see the person kind of going to work and the bush that's dying talks to him. And the bush is like, hey, man, you just going to let me die? You're going to go to work one more time, walk past me. You see him dying here. Can I please get some weed and feed or something? And then finally they, the bush is doing better. And, and so then the grass says, oh, so you're going to take care of him and not take care of me. So in the world, is, is the stuff of the world is looking at us and is saying, work, take care of us. We're all born on Jurassic Park, if in a sense. And instead of brontosauruses, we have city buses, which you have to watch out for. Instead of uh, velociraptors, we've got expanding businesses and, and suburban sprawl and Walmart. And nothing wrong innately, but the, the stuff of business and nature and of resources and production, that stuff has to be cared for. Charlotte is like my cat or our panther. Oh, okay. It, it, sorry, had to throw that in the playoffs today. It, it can get away from our care too long if we're not into it. It's like our dog. It, it needs to be fed and we need to be taking care of our communities. It needs to be cleaned up after so we don't step in or let someone else step in its mess. So go to work. 
Go to the bank. Go to the office. Get behind the register. Get behind those books. Work at home. Get in that yard. Work to care for stuff. But this is not the most exciting call to work, though necessary. The second is even more important. We work to care for each other, for people. Now, what we see here in 27 and 28 in chapter 1 is what's called the cultural mandate. It's, it's a fancy way of saying this is what God's called us to do. It's, it's This mixed around agenda is the call to each one of us, Adam first and now us as we look at it, a call to make civilization, to make a people, to make a community, to build a city, to give people a place to live, give people a place to shop, give people a place where they can be healed in this world a couple weeks ago we had a repeat of what happened this morning on New Year's Day coffee shop wasn't open it was 7.30 in the morning then it was 8 then it was 8.30 coffee shop not open and I thought it was going to turn into night of the living dead around here People needed that coffee. I mean, they began zombieing around here. I mean, even it looked like they were going to eventually attack each other. All because the coffee shop was not open. You should have seen people going to the window, looking in, just like them zombies. Mm-hmm. Is it going to open? This morning it was. It opened really late. It's open now. And, 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 and Georgia, I'm like, look at the people. And they just kind of stand in there in the cold zombies because someone is not working someone maybe slept later maybe they decide to open later i mean it almost turned into a coffee riot up in here that day and people get, began to turn you know into the coffeeless mad mass and and in this culture and generation this is dangerous not to have coffee people about to lose their minds and and, and jeremy uh the guitar player he, he he showed up early and he said man i'm gonna go up to um Einstein bagels and get a coffee. You want some? Show sure, man, bring me a cup back. So here I am walking around this coffee. I, mean, I thought people were going to turn on me. Like, where'd you get that coffee, man? Y'all made me nervous. We work, we go to work to care for people. Work is a great big machine of people care. Whether you're driving a bus or putting together an extra value meal or at home on the floor playing with Thomas the Train again or, or walking slowly down the hall with a mother or grandmother or, or delivering a baby or, or, or removing a tumor or investing money for people or arresting a criminal or buying or selling a home for someone or listening or speaking to people's problems and the list goes on and on. But your working is caring for people. On the Discovery Channel, they had the dirtiest jobs. Man, I want to see that thing. And they kind of have the, the chimney sweep and, and the sewer maintenance guy and the bird dropping clean cleaning women. And, and of course, if they didn't include this one, the cubicite. You know who you are. You're in that cubicle at work. And nobody sees you. But we can say that all these jobs that nobody sees that are considered dirty or menial or mundane are all directly and indirectly, they do a job of caring for people. Now, looking for work or being out of work for reasons beyond your control aside, this means y'all shouldn't and can't just sit at home and be trying to find your finding yourself. 
you know, why aren't you working? Well, I'm just trying to find myself. What? Yeah, I, I, I don't know who I am. The Bible tells you. You're supposed to be working, doing something. And, and I begin to think about this idea of I'm just sitting around finding myself. I don't want to work. You know, the research you do into finding who you are doesn't take up a full day. You are not that complicated. I mean, and contrary to popular belief, you can't find yourself. As a matter of fact, guess what? Other people like Dr. Odette Valder, psychiatrists, have to go to work to help you find yourself so you can get back to work. There is no job that is not part of the care of people. We work to give and, and, and free us up to, to work to, to help charities and nonprofits. Some of you have time on your hands and don't need to get that much money to make it. And so you're called to care for someone by volunteering then or, or working and giving your extra money away to care for people. So what do we do? We go to the garden. We, 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 we work so that we can be free to care, so that we can join the United Way. So that we can be a part of our neighborhood association. We march. We picket. We're good citizens. This kind of sums up our view of evangelism here at Christ Central. I don't really push, you know, the track thing. You know, going out with the track. If you die today, do you know whether you spend eternity in heaven with God tomorrow? You know, the little track. I'm not trying to say those things aren't useful. But I, I begin to look at what scripture says and we can begin to look together and, and how do we, how do we care? How do we share? We, we go to work. We get involved. I like to call it viral. That, that we're in, we're in the places we can be in our communities making a difference. That's why I like ranting. I don't want a church world building. Y'all heard me say that. So, you know. If we grow bigger and I'm like, we got this 20 million. Okay, forget it. Don't hold me to it. But at this point, you know, because I don't want this to be church world. That's church world. This, the kingdom is, is happening out there as you go and be a part of it. Look, I said this last week. We don't need the church basketball league. We don't need the church, uh, uh, fitness club. We don't need the church this or the church that or the church hamburgers or the church church's chicken. We, we don't need any of that. We <laughs> Go. Go. Why are you here? Don't be up in here. I tell people, you know, the Bible says Christians are the, the light of the world. Well, we got a fire going on in some churches because we all just all up in the air. It's dangerous. You shouldn't have that many things plugged into the socket together. We know that. All you do daily is important to fulfilling the care that God has called each one of us as human beings to do. And what we clearly see here is that nothing is done or should be done for self. 
Our work is altogether called to be altruistic, outward facing and benefiting. You know, I work sometimes because I see my boys and my wife. It's about the connection to caring for people. You know, work has been lost as we have failed to see its end purpose, which is to care for people and as we do it, glorify God. Now, I have to make it romantic for some of you because, you know, that old way where you know you work because you have a family. That's so serious and so strong. You work because America keeps going by working and all, you know, those slogans thrown out there and all that stuff with the American flag and all that stuff in the background. But let me make it more romantic for you because that doesn't always work for me either. Think about it this way. You are the protagonist. You are the hero in life's story by going to work. Does that help? I mean, there's this Disney commercial out. I love it. And um, the, the, the end line is, if you take your kids to Disney, you're a hero. Okay? But the beginning of the commercial is better than the then, the, you know, this is about Disney. And it shows people, this man's working in his yard, and he has like a superhero's costume on. He knows things can be pretty tight. So you're kind of looking at the different body shapes. You got the pregnant lady, and she's got the super costume. You got the dude, you know, he had a few too many beers or something. He got the little thing, and he's going out. And they're all dressed like superheroes. Just normal. People, normal shape, normal issues. Let's face it, you're mundane or busy or rude awakening every morning when that clock, man, man, wakes you up. Think of it as the Batman signal, the call, and the key to, to stopping the rise of this metaphorical land of the living dead. Remember how we didn't have the coffee and people going crazy? I mean, imagine that you're getting up. You are the hero in stopping people from being the living dead, from, from going crazy, from not having what they need, from, from stopping anarchy from happening, having a rabid human society in which there is social anarchy, in which we suffer from not having what we need you to get up again and again to give. Some of you are like, well, I'm a student. I'm an artist. I am self-discovering. Well, guess what? We also care by creating and exploring and innovating and improving and researching. Yes, even ourselves and others. Look with me at verse 15 again. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And then verse 19, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. Um. Okay, I asked Andrea how to pronounce this because I always forget. Uh, Rudyard Kipling, the writer, has a story of how the uh, 
leopard got its spots and how the Ethiopian skin got dark. And I just saw it on TV, you know, this Danny Glover narrated version of it was on pay-per-view and it was for the boys. But you know how you get pulled in it. They're all playing with their toys. Kelly and I are still watching it because it was so beautiful. But the idea was that they were called to somehow blend into their surroundings so that they could properly live in them. They needed to be beautiful and colorful too. They stood out too much from the colorful jungle. And he had some, uh, and, and the Ethiopian said, I'm going to paint myself black. And so he begins to paint himself this beautiful shade of black. And he had some black left over on his hands. And he began to put his fingers on this leopard that didn't have spots yet. And, and it put five marks in the leopard who was spotless now had has spots. It was an assimilation, but not a bad one, a good version. It was a beautiful painting of themselves according to the beauty in them and around them that they did not make, but they needed to respect and represent in order to care and be cared for rightly. Now, let me say, Adam was called to touch the animals, if you will with names, to give them an identity out of respect to what he did not make, to their pre-existing wonder. You know, we paint, we orchestrate, we draw, we write, we poetify, not out of nothingness, but to capture and give respect to what was already there in color and light and beauty, to, to take it and put a frame on it, to take it and put it on a canvas to give it wonder and beauty, beauty proper respect, you know, to give red its due. You know, to give blue its respect, to to give space even. It's due on canvas and photo, all things that we have not created. But also with that, of course, we are called to make beautiful and illustrate people and their emotions. Dave Behrens, who is a member here at Christ Central Church, he um, he draws Native American art and, and and and. It is the most interesting thing. The way he draws the faces and the intricate lines and the faces and and all these things. It's, it's, it's the way Jeremy uh, plays his guitar or it's like laying a human, you know, laying, playing a human heart with vocal cords, which vocal cords are the string. And so we see that we're called to be creative and innovative and healthy ways of giving respect to the created wonder. Even the unsearchable and unknowable ways people are. We, so, so we create what? Better ways of living. We research for better medicines. We, we find better ways of putting the city and governments together and better ways to convey emotion and story through rap or rhyme or rhythm and song. And so you go to school to learn, to research, to find your place to find new ways to care for what you have not made and cannot take away but only researching finding ways to harness and care for and hold what is so wonderful see artists care by capturing what must not be lost in the everyday function of things our beauty our otherness Our separation from the stuff and even the stuff separation from from being unimportant or nothing. A tree, a sunset, a rock, 
It is something and an artist, a writer, a musician, a wordsmith, a geologist, a scientist, an architect reminds us and captures our attention to care for it and its resource. That there is more reason than just it being here to care for it. It is wonderful and respectable as something that is beyond what we can immediately see and know. But in work and creativity, there is an immovable need to what? Have relationship and community. To what and who we work with or for. So how do we care? We not only work, we not only create, we have relationships. Look with me again at chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and and closed up the place with flesh. Then then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought it to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, this is a very intimate understanding of, of relationship. But what we see here is that, that Eve comes out and, and she kind of doesn't know who she is. And it's Adam's responsibility to care for her in relationship and say, guess what, Eve? This is who you are. You're bone of my bone and your flesh of my flesh. You came out of me. So therefore, you're, you're created with equal dignity before God. So guess what? You're called to work. You're called to create. You're called to be here. And so he begins to bless her with the relationship and with words, giving her purpose and plan. You know, people can't be, people can't be human and be alone. Don't you know you and I can't handle the weight and glory and wonder of being human alone? People must be loved. People must be seen. People must be told and heard. People need to be looked in their eyes. So what does this tell us? (laughs) Go across the street to the person you have yet to know. Look across the aisle. It's okay. Talk, smile, say hello. I mean, sit at a booth close to someone. Actually look somebody in the eye. Hear their story. By listening, you speak volumes. You don't have to agree. You just have to be there. I mean, find ample time to be available to listen to people, to see them, to know their stories. To share the love. To share your humanity. And so I encourage people. Go to the neighborhood party. Now, be careful now. If, if they smoke in something you don't need to be around, don't go. But go to the neighborhood party. Join the soccer league. Drink your morning coffee out somewhere. Go where people are. Go to the gallery crawl. Or maybe, you know, these new places on the internet, blogs, but, but just be yourself. Go to the pub. Be careful. Go to the hobby interest place for you. Book clubs, garden clubs. Some of us need to go on a mission trip across the street, you know. I mean, go ahead. Have the party at your house. We've said this before. Talk to us about it. We'll help pay for it. 
Have the party. If your party's wrong, just make it fun. I'm not paying for no corny party. Make it fun. We gotta have a good time. Because this is how we do it. We gotta party, you know? But what am I saying? Put your life at the crossroads of others' lives. Where you can listen to and see them and touch them. I like to describe it like this. Be like those hot french fries that come out the window at McDonald's. You know, the ones you can't help, but you, you know how it is. You got them hot fries in the car. There's no way you don't take one, especially if it looks like it's falling off the top. You know, the irresistible people want contact. They want relationship like hot fries in a bag. And, and so we're called to share love intentionally and naturally. How else can I describe this? Be like chips and salsa at the party. Okay? What's that mean? You know how it is at the party. When people are insecure and they don't know anybody, what do they do? Go to the snack table. They're secure, especially if the table's in the corner. Woo-woo! <laughs> Security! Thank you, nachos! You know how many times the nachos saved me? Got plenty of talk, because I was at the nachos, because, you know, somebody else... I mean, our life, we're called to be the nachos in a very insecure world. To be a place where people can just kind of get to know us and, and learn from our lives and we listen to them and, and, and they begin to connect. People are naturally insecure and they have no place and they have no purpose. And sometimes they just need you to be there. And this call to care is a great thing. And I would say a perfect thing if we lived in the Garden of Eden. But we don't. We, we care, yeah. But we do it selfishly. We overwork the resources. We do kill for oil sometimes. We do and have enslaved human beings to get more stuff. We have used our creativity to demean and distress. We do use relationship to, to, to use others and, and to stay or get on top, to use people as flesh steps to the top. So we care, we, we cannot care in our present condition. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve fell into sin, they sowed fig trees. We talked about this last week. We begin to hide. And when God called them, they hid. And they're hiding and covering and hiding. But Adam Eve says, I don't want to be cared for. And more so, I don't deserve to be cared for. I don't deserve to be renewed in my call to work. I am too far gone to care. I'm too, uh, to work. I'm too dirty to be loved. I'm too dirty to love. I'm too broken to be strong for anyone. I hide and don't create because my hands and heart are too shaky with sin and guilt and moral trash to hold the bow or, or paint with the brush or hold the mouse or the mic straight. Forget writing and painting or performing as a means of caring. What do we do? We use work and relationships in our time to hide and cover ourselves. Because we know we're an easy target. We're weak. We're fragile in our sin and separation from God. We need more now and desire less because we've recognized that you and I are not enough and have too many problems to care. It is true. You 
and I can only care as we're cared for. So here's the good news. Know, know how you begin to care? Knowing and utilizing, rather, falling into the caring hands of the ultimate caretaker, the ultimate worker, the preeminent artist, the relationship realtor. And, and I believe this person, and, and scripture teaches that this person is Jesus. We had this lady in our church growing up. Her name was Miss Mango. Miss Mango going on to be with the Lord now, but... Miss Ma- my mom, my dad used to go to choir rehearsal. Miss Mangle was in a choir. My dad was a choir director. And um, he would always come home with some donuts or some government cheese because that's what Miss Mangle had. And she would always, you know, give it to us. She always wanted, how the boys? Here, take this. I only got three donuts left in the box, but you got three boys, take it. I only got half a government cheese, but take it. I only got half this ham, take it, whatever. And so she w- would care for us. And, and there was a time when she got sick and, and she was in a nursing home. And I remember we went to go visit her and we're walking around a nursing home and we could look in the door and see Miss Lango down the, Miss Lango, not Mango, Miss Lango. Boy, it's an easy slip. Miss Lango down the hall. And, and, and I remember she, she, because of her diabetes, she had both legs removed at this point. And she was kind of mentally slipping in her old age. And, and so we I remember going to the door and knocking. Miss Lango. Her legs weren't going to stop her from caring. Y'all hear me? She was about to get up out that wheelchair to open the door for us. It, she didn't know any better. She just saw us and saw that she was supposed to care. She saw us knocking at the door and and my mom was like, stop, no, stay. You don't have to come get us. And and I just think about the fact that that, that she was going to find a way to seek to relate, to fix the care and the wheelchair was not going to stop her. But ironically, she couldn't do it and she was going to attempt to get there in a way that would have shamed her or hurt her or condemned her. You see, this call to care is not Jesus or God tapping at the the window of our world that is filled with metaphorically legless or spiritually and emotionally demented people who are suffering from sin to meet his call to care. Jesus is not knocking on the window to make you find a way to work, to, to create a way to get into right relationship with him. No. He knows how we are. He knows we're shamed. He knows we're falling. And so what does he do? He comes. He came in. He invaded. He went around to the front door and sat beside us because he knew we couldn't get up to do any better ourselves. He sacrificed. He invaded and subjected himself to the limitations of our existence, of our work and care to care for us so that we can care for others and this world. See, Jesus is our Adam. He is our Redeemer. He has come to work in the garden or jungle of our lives. The Bible says that he came and accomplished redemption for human beings, that his blood by his death was a weed and feed, if you will, for our hearts and world, taking away the shame and weight of the guilt and weeds of our sin and is fertilizing and bringing new life to us. 
That he is in the process today of, of touching us with his hands like the first Adam did, giving us a new name that he is looking at us like Adam looked at Eve and saying, one without identity, one without purpose, be blessed by my words to you. I call you mine. I call you to be with me and like, and like me and work with me. How do we care? By Jesus coming and caring. For us. Some of you here have yet to come to a place where his invasion into our fallenness has transformed our definition and ability to care. There's good news. Jesus is here to care for you. Some know he is here, but insist on doing good works in your own strength. He is telling you to be broken, to recognize your shame and sin and his ability to meet you and rescue where you are. Some of you are waiting his healing of it, our inability to work and relate and care. And he says, I am caring. I don't leave or forsake my work or my creation or my relationships. I leave you with this from Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How do we care? We let Jesus care for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we the strain, the pressure of caring and working and creating and all these things are, are, are a lot. We ask, Lord, Savior, Redeemer, that you would come invade our world and care for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.